Today is day seven. Day seven. Day seven of what, you may ask? Has anyone ever done a Whole30 challenge? Yeah, I'm on day seven of a Whole30 challenge. Uh, Whole30 challenge is a, an interesting thing you can do. It's a, it's a diet and nutrition thing. Basically, the idea is you take 30 days where you cut out sugar, grains, legumes, so think peanuts, dairy, alcohol, and additives from your diet for 30 days. And some people use it for weight loss, but primarily it's a thing that just kind of resets your whole metabolism. It resets your gut. And so a handful of people from the church said, hey, let's do this thing. And so you guys are out there. You're the real heroes. We're doing this together. Uh, And it's day seven. So we're a quarter of the way through. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, This challenge is not for the faint of heart. If you've ever done any kind of challenge, uh, like food, dietary, it's, it's hard. It's hard because here's what I learned. There are some really good things you can eat while you're on a Whole30, but none of them are on the menu of the things that I normally eat. Like, I tell you what, I get up early in the morning, and you know what I do for breakfast? Basically nothing. I get some kind of bread something and some kind of sugar something, and I hit the road. And then I fill up on caffeine, coffee for the rest of the day, and I make it till lunch, where I pretty much rush through lunch. I'm not good at lunch. And so, like, I'm going to get a little fast food something. If I drop by the house, it's going to be the easiest thing I can grab out of a package in the pantry. And, you know, if I can get a soda in me sometime before dinner time, like, I'm going to float until dinner time. That, it's worked for... 40 years, okay? So, like, it's fine, right? My wife, on the other hand, is a whole different makeup. I mean, she eats super healthy, and she takes care of herself like she should. She's going to live twice as long as me, so y'all take care of her, okay? But, like, so she doesn't have a problem with this as much, and, but, and she also cooks supper for us every night. And so when I come home, I eat a good supper, and so that's kind of how I survive. I survive on supper, but for seven days, I tell you what. You have got to shift your routine if you want to eat food that's going to fill you up. Because hunger will not let you go. It'll be like strangling you like, hey, we hungry. Do something about it. So man, I've had to do, I get up every morning for seven days, make myself a healthy breakfast. Potatoes and eggs and vegetables and all the good stuff. No added sugar, no sugar at all. And I'm just eating that thing and I fill up and I'm, I've been packing my lunch or going home to eat at lunch. I'm real proud of myself. Um, here's what I've learned about a Whole30 Challenge. It's not a physical challenge. It's a mental challenge. In fact, almost any discipline that you're going to do in your life is not so much physical as it is mental. One perfect example was that argument you had with yourself this morning when you were deciding if you were going to get out of bed and be here. And you do that every day before you go to work. And you tell your alarm clock to be quiet. (laughs) I got things to do. It's mental. Uh, this Whole30 thing changes everything about the way you think about food. And do I recommend a, a Whole30? Uh, get with me in 23 days. I'll let you know what I think. I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, we're in week two of a teaching series that we're calling Winning the War in Your Mind. And so talking about that mental stuff kind of gets our brain moving towards that direction. The big idea with this series is how we think impacts how we live. Would you agree with that? How you think impacts how you live. I just kind of made the point of that with this story I just told, right? I told you last week there's a book by the same title by a guy named Craig Groeschel. He's a really good author. and We stole the title and the graphic from the book because I want you to recognize it. And in his book, we're not getting into a lot of the stuff in the book, but in his book, he's got a lot of like exercises you can do and self-assessments you can do to kind of tackle this war in your mind. Last week, we talked about the strongholds that get built in our mind. The evil one whispers in our ear, whether it is sinful things or maybe it's just stuff from our past. It's uh, trauma that you've experienced or maybe it's just stuff that you just have a hard time wrapping your mind around. The evil one gets in our ear and he builds these little fortresses, these strongholds in our mind. 
And we learned from the passage last week that what we've got to learn to do is take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so if you want to go back and listen to that message from last week, it's on our podcast, it's on our YouTube page. Uh, we try to just uh, bank all of our sermons there. But today what I want to do is to dive in deeper into that idea of what happens in our mind. Specifically like, okay, well if I can't think about certain things or if I need to rethink, how do I do that and what should I think about? I, I mentioned last week that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is a mental warrior. The things that he writes about in the New Testament, so often you can tell he grows up in a, a Greek world, Roman world, where everything is cerebral. And he spends a lot of time talking about how we think because I think he realizes the reality that how you think, think impacts how you live. And so what I want to do today is skip around through probably about three places in the New Testament where Paul talks about these things and ask ourselves, what does it mean for us to do a cleansing up here? Maybe more than a whole 30 of the brain. If you got a Bible this morning, I want to get you to open it up to the book of Romans. And I want to tell you, you can look it up on your phone. I'll have it on the screen behind me. But if you need a Bible of your own to use, we've got free ones back here on the shelf by the door. Uh, feel free anytime to get up in the service and go grab one. Obviously, you can tell we're not super formal here. You can do that. Or if you just want to grab one on your way out, and you can write your name in the front cover uh, if you need a new Bible. Or you can just borrow it for the service and put it back on the shelf. That's fine too. We're going to be in Romans. We're going to be in chapter 12. And the book of Romans is set up as kind of this, uh, this opus of Paul's theology. If you want to understand how Christianity works, I've described it as like opening the hood of your car and looking at the engine. The book of Romans is that. What is grace? Like, how does that work? How does it connect with Abraham in the Old Testament? How does faith play a part? Where does baptism fit in? Where does the things we do with our life work into all that? So that's what the book of Romans is. And chapter 12 is like a big hinge in the book of Romans, where he's done all the practical stuff and he's explained, or he's done all the, uh, the, the, cerebral stuff and explained it and then chapter 12 he's like but this is how we're going to live because of that so he starts with this word this is going to be romans 12 starting in verse 1 therefore because of everything i just said i explained christianity to you therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're going to break that down. There's two big thoughts there. I mean, I could do a five-week series just on these two verses, but there's two big thoughts there. And the first part starts with this, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. I'm a big fan of the Broadway musical Hamilton. Anybody with me on that? About once every three to six months, I like to make a Hamilton reference in a sermon, so here it is. Uh, and so uh, Hamilton's great, and it's the story of the, the birth of our nation, and you've got Alexander Hamilton who's the main character, and there's this one scene where he's hanging out with George Washington, which how cool would that have been? And he's really kind of whining because he wants to be a soldier. He wants to have a gun, and he wants to shoot somebody. That's his goal in the revolution. George Washington's trying to recruit Alexander Hamilton to be an administrative assistant, to be a secretary. And he's like, I don't want to do that. I want to fight. And George Washington has this killer line, one of the greatest lines in the whole play, and there's some good ones. He says, I was just like you when I was younger, head full of fantasies of dying like a martyr. (laughs) Dying is easy, young man, but living is harder. I will never forget being in youth group as a teenager, and one of my friends in youth group, a a kid, another teenager, he said this phrase. He said, you know, I feel like I could say that I would die for Jesus. I feel like I could say that. I grew up during the, some of you don't even remember, the Columbine 
shooting era. Like, that was a big thing when I was in, in like, middle school. And um, so school shootings and stuff and people for their faith having to give up their life. And I remember this kid saying, I feel like I could, I could die for my faith, but I struggle because I have a hard time living for Jesus. And that's so solid. And so when, G, when Paul says this in Romans 12, therefore offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In the Old Testament system of worship, one of the main ways they would worship is go to the temple and they would do an animal sacrifice, right? You're going to lay down the life of an animal to take the place of your sin. It's symbolic. It was God's idea. It was good. But God's like, you know, you know what I could use a lot better than a dead cow? <laughs> a living human that would live for me. And do things that I want him to do. So he says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I could spend more time on that, but let's move on to the second half. What does that look like? That's when Paul gets into the mind game. The way you think determines how you live. So he says in verse 2, so do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And only then will you be able to test and approve what God's good and pleasing and perfect will are. So there's this kind of dichotomy happening here. He talks about if you, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, but there is an enemy to transformation. It's right there in the line. It's confirmation. And I don't know if they're exactly opposites, but they sure seem like opposites. A transformation is becoming something different. Remember the Transformer robots, the cartoons and the toys? And it's like, it's a VW Beetle. No, it's a giant robot. Wow. It changes, Right? That's transformation is changing from what you are to something else. Confirmation says, I'm going to be like, same, same. I'm going to stay the same. (laughs) And so there's this battle going on between confirmation and transformation. And throughout history, Christians have worked hard to find ways to not conform to this world. The Jews were amazing at it. They dressed different. They did their hair different. They lived in different places. They wouldn't touch certain things, eat certain things. And people were like, y'all are weird. And they're like, well, it's one way we remember that we're supposed to be different. (laughs) It wasn't like pork was evil it was just among the things that God said look these are the things that are going to set you apart and every single time you know they saw a pork chop which that didn't happen in Judea very often they'd be like oh you know what I'm I'm different than the rest of the world that's why there was a lot of butting of heads when Christianity comes to town and a lot of non-Jewish culture pagan culture Greek culture tries to interact with Jew and cult- Jewish culture and they're like oh no you got to do things differently because they did so much to try to be different from the world and as Christianity developed, we've created all kinds of different ways to be different. I think about some of the uh, early Christian, we call them the, the, the church fathers, even the desert fathers as a whole era. The monks who moved into monasteries and their whole deal was like, I got to leave the city and I got to move out to the woods somewhere. I got to live in a cave. I got to build a hut. There was this one guy who lived on top of a platform for most of his life. Like he did these things because he said, if I'm with the world, I'm going to be like the world. I think that that does conflict a little bit with our mission which is to go into all the world and make disciples. It's hard to tell people about Jesus if you're not with them. But I understand the struggle. I can't tell you how many th- times I thought, especially when my kids were much younger. Actually, it's becoming worse as they get older, too. It's like, man, I just wish we could go live in the mountains somewhere. I could survive off the land. I'm pretty sure I can make it. <laughs> my kids are like, no. <laughs> because it's hard to not conform to the patterns of this world. That's why last week we looked at 2 Corinthians uh, 10, verse 5. I'll throw it back up there for you real quick. But this is why Paul says, So we've got to demolish the arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We've got to get rid of that. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. The answer isn't hiding in a cave. The answer is the renewal of your mind. 
If you think different, you live different. So Paul says it like this in another place. What are the things that like are ruining our mind? Because here's the thing. The, the transformation means I think differently after I've decided to live for Jesus than I did before. Now you might be in the room today and be like, I haven't decided to live for Jesus yet. That's fine. That's great. I'm glad you're here. This is a safe place for you to explore your faith journey. But I want you to know this is what this looks like. Before we're deciding to live for Jesus, Paul talks about, this is in Colossians chapter 3, if you want to write it down or look it up. I challenge you last week to become note takers. Bring your Bible to church and bring something to write on. I'm going to say that a lot this year. Uh, It will make sure that you remember things. That's why, guys, your wife writes down what you're supposed to get at the grocery store. Because then you come home with something you're not supposed to get. Okay? Write this stuff down, right? Um, Colossians 3, 5. Paul says, put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires greed which is idolatry because of these the wrath of god is coming you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger and rage malice slander filthy language from your lips and do not lie to each other Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So many of these themes dominate our life. And sure, you you could just try to not think like this. You could strong arm it. You'd be like, I'm just not going to think lustful thoughts. I'm not going to think evil thoughts. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to lie. You could just, I'm just not going to be mean to my co-worker. I'm just not going to be short-tempered. No, like the baby who uh, doesn't want to eat the spinach. You ever seen a baby that didn't want to eat the vegetable and they just clamp down their lips like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." and that's, I think that's how we try to manage our spiritual life sometimes. "Mm -mm, I'm just tough enough. I'm not going to be dishonest. I'm not going to get drunk out of my mind anymore. I'm not going to go look at immoral junk on the internet again. Oh, not going to do it. Is that right? You're not going to? Okay, well, you're not going to be mean to your coworker. What are you going to think when you see them then? That's good that you don't want to, but you can't just clam up and like, no. What are you going to? You've got to replace it with something else. I'm not going to go to those trashy websites on the internet. Fine. That's a fantastic plan. What are you going to do when you open up your cell phone or your laptop and get on your web browser? Because we build these habits, and they're going to continue to go on. Those are the strongholds we talked about last week. That's why Paul says a couple verses earlier in Colossians 3, verse 2, it says that we should set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's a setting of. It's a, another passage called it, fix your eyes. It's like, I like that idea, fix it, it's broken, fix it, fix your eyes It's a decision we make, and it's a change of our mind. It's the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so we're not supposed to clamp our teeth down and say no. What are we supposed to do? Paul gives several good lists in other places, and I want to flip over now to Philippians chapter 4. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, this is what you should think about. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's not just clamping down my brain and saying, I'm not going to do anything bad. It's like, no, the goal is to replace it with things that honor God. Guys, I am so thankful that it's not up to like me being perfect at this to have salvation. <laughs> because I stink at this. 
Do you? If you don't, uh, thanks for guiding the next small group. You're in charge. It's hard. But the the, the more that I've tried, the more that I've found that it's possible. And so it's a process you go through with every decision that you make. And so you start a conversation about something with someone, and you got to ask yourself as you talk, is it true? Like that's the first one on that list. Is it true? It's not true? Oh, well, I I don't know. That's what I heard. It's gossip or something. If it's not true, conversation over. It just pretty much simplifies it. Or maybe it is true. Yeah, that politician is ruining our public school system. Okay, maybe that is true. Well, is it admirable or praiseworthy? Shh. You don't need to talk about it. You don't need to think about that. Instead, think of something that's admirable or praiseworthy and things that are true. Here's another big one. You're sitting in front of your TV or on your phone and you're deciding, what am I going to watch on TV or some streaming app tonight? What am I going to watch? You got Netflix open. You got your Hulu Plus open. You got whatever it is. You're, you're probably paying for seven of them and you only watch one. Um, and, you, and you're watching. You decide what you want to watch and, and ask yourself when you see the thumbnail and you're like, I like that. Ask yourself this question. Is it pure? Is it right? I got a great decision for you. If it's not, don't watch that. What do you do instead? Uh, do something pure. <laughs> do something right. Do some, watch something wholesome. There's plenty of good shows on TV that you could watch, but if you can't find anything, uh, hang out with your family. Go for a walk. Learn to crochet. There's so much you could do with your time. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Let me start over. I did it backwards. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And just like anything else, it takes practice. And so what I want to do in the time that we have left is kind of, I want to work through an exercise that we can do together. So I mentioned that I want to encourage you to be note takers. I think there's stuff in those, those little folders you can write on. You can always write on paper, so that'll work. Um, type it in your phone. And I kind of worked up this four-step routine, exercise, plan that you can do with this. And truth be told, you could do, apply this to any area of your life that you want to improve on. But we're going to focus on this mental stronghold stuff today, okay? And it's pretty simple. It's pretty intuitive. But how are we going to think on things that are true and noble and pure and right and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy and all these things? Like, how are we going to do that? Well, the first thing is this, step one. We need to identify the thoughts that need to be renewed. Identify the thoughts that need to be renewed. Have you ever gotten bored uh, in your bathroom (laughs) and you picked up the shampoo bottle and you read everything on it? Yeah, everyone has, right? And I think shampoo bottles are ridiculous because so many of them give you instructions on how to wash your hair. I'm like, if you don't know, like... I don't know what you're doing in here. Like, but anyway, I'm thankful for that. But then there's, a, there's this classic phrase at the end of the shampoo bottle instructions. What is it? Do you know? Rinse and repeat. Yes. Rinse and repeat, which I think is great. I just do the once. I don't do the rinse and repeat. Maybe if you've got more hair, you need to do it more times. Rinse and repeat. That's a phrase I want to kind of adopt here. Because if we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, this is going to be a rinse and repeat process, okay? So this is, this is the rinse process. We're going to identify the thoughts that need to be renewed. Colossians 3, 5 said, put to death, therefore, anything that belongs to your earthly nature, the immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, slander, filthy language, lies, all those things in Colossians 3. Remember, you can't fight what you can't name. We said that last week. And so you guys are like, what is it that's hanging me up right now? Whether it's a temptation, guys, I just want to be transparent with you, like a thing that I've wrestled with my whole life. I'm an adult male. Lust is an issue because we live in a world 
full of advertisers who are like, hey, I got a great way to get people to pay attention. Scantily clad human bodies, that would do it. You got to say, okay, that's a problem. That's a problem. Okay, then step two, using our same example, pray about it. The reason I bring up my example is because for decades, I have learned that if I pray about the strongholds in my life, and it's a prayer something like this, Lord, please erase that thing that I thought. (laughs) Please blot out that habit that I have. Please make it go away. Give me the power to get through this. Please give me your strength to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Always call the name of Jesus. His name is above every other name. We sang it in a song earlier. Pray about it. You're struggling with self-image issues? Pray about it. Lord, help me see myself the way that you see me. You struggle with fears about the future? Lord, just help me to have faith and trust you. Pray about it. You can't do this by your own power. It's like the baby clamping his lips down. You can't resist it enough. You need God's Holy Spirit working inside of you. So identify the issue. Pray about it. And then step three, this is huge. Build a team. Build a team. Accountability has got to be one of God's greatest gifts to us. You were not meant to grow in your faith in a vacuum. You were meant to grow in your faith in a community. That's why James was up here earlier talking about a small group, and Joe's working on other groups, and hopefully you're in some community. Build a team, and a team looks something as simple as this, walking up to someone and saying, hey, I'm really trying to do better at this thing. Could you help me do better at this thing? (laughs) That's it. What do you want me to do? I don't know. Um, Can we talk about it? I don't know. It's an addiction I'm wrestling with. Can you, how about once a week, uh, will you call me? Put on your calendar and call me. Okay, I'll take the ownership. I'll call you. Can I text you every single day? And if I don't text you, you text me. Like, there's something we could do. It's accountability. Build a team. Because you need somebody near you going, hey, listen, the way you're thinking right now, we're talking about the battles in your mind, right? The way you're thinking right now is not going to guide you towards where you want to (laughs) be. I don't know what to do. Okay, well, let's think about some ideas. Identify the issue, pray about it, and build a team. And you know what we're going to ask our team to do? Pray about it. And help me identify the issues. I'm talking about winning the war in your mind, but I think that you understand this could be applied to any of your spiritual growth. What's our third thing? I mean, our fourth thing. Our fourth thing is this. Create a routine. Create a routine. Why do I say this? Because you're going to do what you always did. That's what you're going to do. So you got to build a routine around it, and I mean, uh, whether it's a Whole30 thing or working out in the gym or you're trying to read more books, the only way you're going to shift, be renewed by the transferring of your mind is to create the habits that will allow that. You know, for me, for this Whole30, uh, I have had to make myself get up earlier and turn on the oven and put a skillet on there and put some potatoes in that thing. In fact, before that, my wife has been good about this. We've had to, like, pre-cook some food (laughs) to make it easier later. It's the routine. And those routines develop into breaking down the strongholds. How do I take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ? I say, I'm not going to live in the routine that put me in that way. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans 12, the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. What's a pattern? It's a routine. It's what you do over and over again, so create a routine. We need to identify the thoughts that need to be renewed. We need to pray about it. We need to build a team, and then we need to start a routine. And then guess what? Rinse and repeat. If you think you're going to solve this this week, you are fooling yourself. I know there are people in this room in their 50s and 60s and beyond who will tell you, yeah, yeah, it's a lifetime thing. 
Because just like I said last week, this is a war in your mind. And when the enemy figures out, like, I can't get you on this front, what are they going to do? Go to a different place. So you've got to constantly be renewing your mind. So every week we have a challenge that I try to send us home with. And this is like a tangible thing that everybody could do easily this week. I could say this four-step plan is our challenge. Really, this is more like a model to work on. And I don't know that you could really accomplish this in one week. Um, it's going to be something you're going to need to do for a long time. So, so write it down and do it. But, but while you do this, I want to give us all a very simple, very doable challenge. And it's something we've actually practiced two or three times already this morning. Here's the challenge this week. Check this out. The challenge this week is memorize Philippians 4.8 and write it down at least once a day. I had the uh, great pleasure of teaching high school week at camp at our, at our camp in Washington last summer. And uh, most summers I get to speak every night to our high school students. And our theme for the whole week was this verse. And every single night we worked on this verse. And there were hand motions. And you know them. A couple of y'all know them. And we're all going to do them right now. No, there were hand motions to remember. It was a lot of things. But here's the thing. And I've memorized this verse uh, 20, 30 times. But when I was preparing for this message and I was going over this passage and I was like, you know, I practice. I'm trying to get things out. I didn't have it in there. Now, it's eight, it's eight words, okay? It's basically eight words you're memorizing, the things you're supposed to do. Like the order and how, but like I realized that even in practicing this thing, I had forgotten it. So that's why writing it down is important. Uh, there's something that happens between your hand and your brain when you write. So my challenge for you, the real challenge is write down this verse every single day this week. I'm going to try my best to do it, and I hope you will too. Uh, you want to make sure that happens? Pray about it. Build a routine. Build a team. Tell somebody, hey, I'm going to do this thing, and then build a routine with it. You're going to do it at lunchtime. You're going to do it at breakfast. I'm going to do it before I go to bed. Um, and that will really begin to reshape how we do this. Winning the war in your mind is going to look different for each one of us. Because some of us are struggling with some major sin issues, but some of you are dealing with some major emotional issues. It's not sin. It's not wrong for what you're going through. Maybe you were done wrong. You're hurting, right? You're dealing with pain. The passages that we read earlier were mostly Paul talking about sin, but like there's so many mental wars we fight, but all of them, the enemy can use to hold us captive. So we've got to take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray together this morning.